You have to fail in order to succeed. That's just the bottom line. This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Acre. And before we bring on our guest today, we'd love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts. If you're not already, and while you're there, drop us a review to let us know how we're doing. We'll read it here on the show. This week's featured review comes from GCK2 via Apple Podcasts. They comment on Vanessa Saunders' interview. So the title says, loved Vanessa Saunders, five stars. How I wish more people had the attitude that Vanessa has towards her clients. Treating people with kindness, empathy, and common courtesy will always be the key to repeat clients and referrals, perhaps more now than ever, considering how rare these game changers are. Everyone who listens should take a note from Vanessa's book. That was from episode 381. Nice. That was actually one who of was our- that? GCK? GCK2. GCK2. Yeah, Shout out to GCK. One of our real estate leaders. Nice. Uh, Love it. Interviews. So <clears throat> check that out. Our guest today is Tim Garrity. Tim is a partner in the broker of record at Copper Hill Real Estate in the greater Philadelphia area with decades of experience in the mortgage, new construction, and real estate sectors. Tim has grown Copper Hill from three co-founders and agents and $10 million in volume to over 40 agents today and $100 million in volume. Tim's goal is to personally help agents walk, crawl, and run by helping them start, grow, and most importantly, retain their own book of business. Tim, welcome to Stay Paid. Thanks for being here. Thanks, fellas. I'm very excited to be here. I'm a huge fan. Tim, thank you so much. I'm excited for this episode because we're going to dive in. If you've ever thought about starting your own brokerage, which I know tons of our listeners probably have, we're going to talk about that because Tim did it. And we're going to talk about building a team and how to motivate, how to lead generate, how to lead distribute. But um, Talk to us a little bit about your history, like how you even got into real estate. Lead us up to today, and then let's dive into this topic of why you started your brokerage. Absolutely. Uh, just a brief background on me. Born and raised in suburban Philadelphia till the ripe age of 18. Went to LaSalle University in the city of Philadelphia. So that was that was my first experience of, of urban city life, and I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, just the culture, the diversity, the history... It was just way different than everything I, I grew up with. It, you know, even though I was just outside the city, it was quieter, it was calmer, didn't have as much of that. Um, got into the mortgage industry right out of college, basically. And when I got in, I started as a street loan officer, 100% commission, you know, popping into real estate offices, which again, people did that back then with paper rate sheets. Um, a <laughs> lot of cold calling, a lot of emailing, a lot of texting, did a lot of networking. Um, I parlayed that into a management position when I was 24 with Pulte Homes, which is one of the largest residential home builders in the United States. And that was a huge education for me, not only on myself as, as a person who's growing in business, but also on corporate America and just understanding like, how does this whole thing work? Um, unfortunately, I was there for about six years. They wanted me to, how do I put it, uh, grow with the company, meaning they wanted me to relocate where the opportunity suited the company. Hmm. After offering me about three, I mean, I'm just, I'm just in love with Philadelphia. This is my home. I, my friends and family are here. This is what I aspire to just stay with my entire life. This is just awesome. Uh, I just, you know, I, I said thank you, but no thank you. And then two months later, I got laid off. And that, to be honest, was the fire that I needed to go off on my own and go down the entrepreneurial path because I was pretty entrepreneurial as a kid too. Sold papers when I was eight years old, you know, did a lot of jobs that people didn't do, like rented uh, beach equipment in Ocean City, New Jersey, on one of the beaches, 
which again, like taking cash, writing things down, setting up umbrellas, you know, not, not your typical childhood. That was about 13. So just kind of led me uh, into real estate. And I knew that the sky was the limit and I could be my own boss. So that's, that's kind of what got me in. So talk to us a little bit about, um, so you leave Pulte Homes. Did you jump in at that point to being a real estate agent yourself? Yes. Okay. So, and the way I did it too, which is, is non-traditional, a lot of people, especially here with your brother and his team, a lot of people decide to join teams when they get in. Now teams, you know, 20, 15 years ago, like almost when I was like just getting in, they weren't as popular. Now they're huge and, yeah. they're, and they're, they're built differently because there's just so much education out there. There's so much structure. There's, there's books on it. There's webinars. There's YouTube. Um, but when I got in, I, I didn't want anyone to kind of like, you know, take me down a path that worked for them, but didn't work for me. That was kind of what I learned in corporate America is they wanted me to jump and I was supposed to say how high. And I know that works for plenty of people out there. It just didn't work for me. It wasn't a good fit. So when I got in, I started in like a tiny, tiny little six-person office uh, in Brewery Town. Everyone was younger and smarter than me. Most of them went to Penn. Uh, and I just said, I want to learn this from the ground up. And they were working with investors, which is what I was truly interested in. I wanted to, I wanted to understand the development investment game. Like, why are people buying row homes in Philadelphia and like putting 50 grand into them and renting them or flipping them? Hmm. Or why are people repurposing warehouses into lofts? Or why are people repurposing, unfortunately, like churches throughout the city and turning it into creative office space or restaurants or apartments? Um, so I was just very passionate about that. So that's, that's kind of how I started. I had to start kind of with, without any interference from like, big, you know, big box shops or like teams and such. How many, how many years did you do that before transitioning to like building a team yourself or doing your own brokerage? Like walk us through a little bit of that journey. Sure. So my first year, this is definitely a wake up call and people can understand this. So I got into real estate when I was 30. I was making around hundred K at Pulte. I got in my first year in real estate. I made $15,000. It was 2010. Uh, I was working 60 hours a week, hustling, hustling, hustling. I was going to night school uh, to finish my MBA because Pulte somehow like persuaded me to go back to my MBA and grow with the company. And then when I was halfway through, I lost my job. So I, I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to get this thing done. Um, so I really, I really busted my hump the first year to make that much money. Uh, in my second year, I tripled that. So a lot of, a lot of the roots I laid in year one started to kind of like, you know, grow. And I'm like, okay, like some of that stuff I did is, is like working. And a lot of it was like blogging. That was, that was some of my, my ground level stuff. Uh, when you say blogging, then, you know, just so I, I understand, like you were literally writing blogs about real estate in the city. Were you like, what type of blogging were you doing right then? Most of the blogging I was doing was about like resurgence of different Philadelphia neighborhoods or even okay. like development downtown, like the Comcast Center, the first Comcast Center was going up. And I was talking about why that was huge for Philly. And a lot of people didn't realize that. Like Verizon left town for New York. It's like Comcast. So you were doing content marketing way back before everybody was doing content marketing, really. 2010 time frame. And I, you know, it's not like I was a journalism major. I mean, I was marketing for my undergrad, but I just got good at writing. I just kind of was like trial and error. My first couple posts were like a few sentences and then they became like, you know, a couple pages after a while. Um, so and you tripled you know, your my, you tripled your second year. Did you triple your third, or what? What happened next? No, I didn't go. I didn't go that crazy. Though, but, you know, <laughs> I I did pretty well. Um, it wasn't my third year actually. To answer your initial question, that that's when I said, "What is a broker's license in real estate? Like, why do people? 
why are some agents who are selling a broker and why are some agents who are selling a salesperson? That's what they're called in Pennsylvania. You're either broker or salesperson. Mm. And I learned that becoming a broker allows you to do your own thing. You can start a brokerage. You can start a brokerage through Keller Williams EXP. You can start a brokerage from scratch, which is what I did with Copper Hill. Mm. And that was really where my interest was. So years three to five, I took all my classes. You know, I had enough credits to take the test, pass the test. And in year five, that's when I took on my brother, Ryan, and my brother from another mother, which is Andrew. And then the three of us started Copper Hill from scratch. So that was in year five. So what made you make that decision? Was it just this entrepreneurial passion to kind of not go this, I guess I would call it a safe route with one of the other franchises and literally start your own business from scratch? Yeah, I think it was because not only, you know, I had the marketing background, I had the corporate America background, but my MBA was in management and I, and I loved it. I did very well in my MBA. I was very passionate about what I was learning. So I realized I was, I was a pretty good manager of people. Um, most teams form from salespeople not from managers. Salespeople get too busy. So they're like, let me bring some people on. Or salespeople want to get bigger. So let me bring some people on. Um, I feel like I was more naturally a manager. And I had Ryan and Andrew and they said, look, we want to build this thing too. And they were very entrepreneurial as well. Like, you know, we can do this. Like no one's going to stand in our way. Um, So I just think with that in general, that's kind of like why I decided uh, to do that was... It wasn't like day one when I got into real estate, I want to have a brokerage. But after a couple of years and working for small brokerages, I just looked at it and said, I feel like I could do it better. And owning a brokerage, in my opinion, was better than owning a team. It just gave you more freedom, more flexibility, and more, more sky's the limit income, in my opinion. Where'd the name Copper Hill come from? I'm just curious. All right. So I'm going to be straight off this story. <laughs> this is going to be next. So it was me, Ryan, and Andrew, Ryan's Roof Stack in Northern Liberties, which is one of the neighborhoods uh, in Philadelphia. I uh, got a 30 pack and sat there <laughs> and drank and just threw out all sorts of names and concepts. That's and perfect. Yeah, I was very like clean <laughs> and logical. Like it should be city or urban. And my brother Ryan was like super creative. And he was like, hey, I have like elements like, you know, iron and copper. <laughs> and I have hill and bridge and oak and... Just all these terms, and we just threw it together. And he was like, "What about Copper Hill?" And Andrew and I looked at each other. That's fantastic. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, that's true entrepreneurship, right there. Just like, hey, what there about this? Grab yeah, a thirty let's pack, do. come up with the name. All right. So, talk about um, recruiting, right? How do you recruit your first agents? What's like? How do you go about that process of trying to get agents to join Copper Hill? I mean, it's so competitive out there, right? Of teams recruiting, franchises recruiting. How? Why do they join you? What's your process to try to get them? Yeah, so our strategy to recruiting, Luke, was was really what I do for all of my real estate training for my agents is, I just put it really simply, go with what you know. So what did I do? I grew up in Philadelphia and I networked. Oh, my cousin just got his license. He doesn't want to work for a big box shop. He wants to work for someone small and learn. So we grew organically, probably with our first 10. That was based on relationships. After that, honestly, we just got creative. We're like, hey, let's give some better splits or let's have a cap system or... Let's find creative ways for them to feel like they're running their own business and not so much like red tape corporate structure that a lot of these big companies have. I mean, most people don't know this. As much as teams seem like they can do what they want, there's a lot of red tape. Like you can do this, but you can't do these 10 things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we looked at it as like, you know, Andrew Ryan and I are the three decision makers. So if you have an idea and say, hey, can I, can I do this? Or like, can I run my team this way? We're like, that's a fantastic idea. And then we would talk it over and be like, yes, you can do that. So 
our agents kind of helped write our own, you know, let's call it like handbook, let's say, and, and how things, you know, started to form. And then after that, it really became about, you know, getting the brand out there. So, you know, the three of us just, just really hustled, going out, shaking hands, like meeting banks, meeting title companies, contractors, you know, business events with financial planners, accountants, attorneys. So a ton of word of mouth. And out cards and people are like, wow, that's, that's great. We started your own company. So that's, that's really how we did it. It makes so much sense. Isn't it funny how it's like, it doesn't matter if you're selling real estate, selling the agents to join your team. It's all like the fundamental of the business is word of mouth. It's mm-hmm. like relationship driven, word of mouth. Who do you know and who do they know? Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, you're recruiting agents onto the team, right? You're trying to make them successful. You're now up to how many? 40 plus or? Yeah, we have about 40. Okay, 40 on the team. Like, what do you teach agents in like the, the keys to the business? Like, what are some of the fundamental tips you would give to an agent right now? to be successful as we head into 2023? Um, So if you're new, like let's say you've been doing this like three years or less, um, which a lot of people have. The the agent count has grown rapidly in the last few years because again, business was booming. Still doing well today, but you know, it was booming before COVID. When COVID hit, it was silent for a couple months and then it just took off like a rocket ship. And for me, a lot of what what I teach, my philosophy is like every agent should have their own book of business. And I look at that as like, this isn't about like the sphere of influence. There's, you know, uh, you know, you have your family, you have your friends, you have your coworkers, you have all this stuff. But a book of business to me is a captive audience that whether they or someone they know is going to buy, sell or rent real estate, they're going to drop your name or work with you. And building a book of business is very similar to a lot of stuff that you guys talk about. It, you know, it's no like and trust. And the only way to become part of your book of business is through trust. And a lot of that I did personally through blogging. And when I would write and people would read, they're like, wow, Tim really understands real estate, knows what he's talking about. And he's seeing the trends in the cities. What's the hot neighborhood? Why is this one overpriced? You know, where's the next hot neighborhood? And a lot of that was really not only in writing and researching, but boots on the ground. I mean, I would, in the first couple of years, I'm like, any client that would come my way, It'd be like a $700 rental in like West Philadelphia. And I'm like, um, I'm going because I want to see why it's only $700 to live on that block in West Philadelphia. Like, why is that? That's so and, good. You know, I remember my brother saying that in his first year, he would take every <laughs> every lead, every deal that he possibly could. And obviously he, like you, is starving and eating ramen noodles, right? But at the same time, he's going, that's the only way you learn or that's the most effective you know, thing that's going to teach you really, really quickly is when you get out there and experience the crazy buyer, experience the crazy deal, experience what's actually happening boots on the ground. It's just nothing to teach you like that because you can have the head knowledge, but if it doesn't translate to the heart knowledge to where you're actually know and feel and can live and breathe it, then you can't execute on it. How do you, here's a struggle that I think a lot of teams run into in in brokerages. How do you hold your agents accountable? Like you have 40 agents. How do you make sure they're actually closing and they're not just hanging a license with you? The number one thing I do is is an annual plan. So a couple of the foundational things that Copperhill offers. I encourage every agent at the end of a calendar year to meet with me, sit down one-on-one for at least an hour or two have an annual plan. And that annual plan is very simple. This is just how I do things very simple. I don't overcomplicate it. I'm not like dividing things and like squaring it and like putting in like eight different calculations. 
I look at three things that run your real estate business. Units, volume, and income. How many units do you want to do, whether they're rentals or sides or sales? How much volume do you want to do? If you're doing a lot of rentals, you're doing low volume. Well, how much income do we think we can make by the first two? And by doing those things and having everyone say, this is how many units I think I'm going to do, which transitions to this amount of volume because it's a balance of sales and rentals. So we figure that out. And this is how much income I will make based on my split with Copper Hill. Then they set down that path of like, this is what I have to be doing. On top of that, I offer monthly mentoring to every agent at the company. And I have a calendar link. Hey, click on it. Book it. Um, I remind everyone once a month. Sometimes I'm, I'm emailing. Sometimes I'm texting them or calling them and say, Hey, I haven't seen you in six months. We got to meet. Wow. Um, and then another thing we started doing this calendar year that's actually been very successful for our team because you know we're a real tight-knit group. We have very low attrition, which is rare in real estate. Yeah, but, that is. Um, we do bi-weekly sales meetings. So every two weeks, we get on a Zoom so that it's it's convenient for everyone because everyone's in different areas, like either in the city or the burbs. And at every sales meeting, I teach something for about 20 to 30 minutes. And it's it's all different. It's like topics from Inman. I've used your podcast for inspiration. Dang. Other podcasts. <laughs> Man, you make me I feel like good that. here. It's, no. like, it's in my training. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Because it's fantastic. Like when I train and say, this is what I think, or this is how I've applied it, yep. or this is why I think it's good for you. I'm like, listen to the podcast, go back to the link and listen to it yourself. Because maybe the way I delivered it is different than the way Josh and Luke delivered it or the person that you had on. Yeah. It might connect and, with them differently. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, you know, it's not like Copper Hill has this book. This is all of our stuff. And this is all we have. I piggyback off what's going on in the market and content and let them use that to their advantage. Relationships are the key to success. Right now, everyone in your database knows three to five people who need what you sell. So how do you get those valuable referrals? By connecting consistently and meaningfully. American Lifestyle Magazine is a high-quality, 48-page publication branded to you and full of amazing content your recipients will love. It helps you stay connected with your clients and sphere, keeping you top of mind for referrals. Want to see how it works? Get your free sample of American Lifestyle Magazine at ReminderMedia.com slash StayPaidSample. That's ReminderMedia.com slash StayPaidSample. Can you um, talk a little bit about like, do you do any lead generation for your agents or is that fully their responsibility? That's like Copper Hill. Um, do you guys do any lead generation for the agents? We do. So a couple of different ways. Most of what we do is organic. Okay. So we're very big on content. Um, yep. Social media, we're, we're, we're big on Instagram and everything we do is very original. We haven't bought any followers. It's like everyone we have, we've earned. Um, two, we're very big on, on blogging and having content about the greater Philadelphia area. So like if you go to our website, there's you know information on like different neighborhoods in the city as well as different condo buildings in the city because we do a lot of condo sales and we have education in that. And that that brings in a lot of leads. It's a lot of STO because not a lot of people have that content out there in Philadelphia. Like the way we do it, as succinctly as we do, as in-depth as it is. And that's like years ago. So we do get you know, a decent amount of cold leads every week that we just pass out. So, um, so make sure I'm understanding to break down like almost tactically your content that you're putting out are you taking like different zones of the city 
and actually yeah. writing about what's happening in that market. So almost like a market report, but probably a little bit more in depth or a little bit more blog style. Um, like, is that one of the ways you're putting out content is literally hey, taking these zones? Yeah, we have two different ways to look at that, Luke. The first is we actually give our own description of the neighborhood. This is where this neighborhood is located. Then we say, how easy to get, how easy is it to get to and from the neighborhood? Are you going to Center City? Are you going to the Burbs? Are you going to the shore? Uh, then we talk about what's the scene like? Good restaurants? Is it more like, okay. you know, pharmacies and banks? So then we really have our own original content about our own opinion, as well as some facts about all these different neighborhoods in Philadelphia. Then we do quarterly reports. So then we take those neighborhoods every quarter, say, here's where it was a year ago. Here's the number of listings, the number that sold, days on market, our prices trending up or down. And then we email that out to our network every quarter. So the combination of the two shows that we're neighborhood experts in the city. And now we're slowly starting to take that out to the burbs. Because again, for running 50-50, 50% of the city and 50% yeah. of the suburbs in the last few years, we need to be content experts and, and town experts, let's call it. So you're, you're sending out that kind of quarterly. Um, how big is your database right now that you're marking to with Copper Hill? Yeah, our database is probably right around 7,000 people. Nice. So it's nothing crazy. But at the end of the day, but if, if they're 50, real, 000, I probably don't know 45,000 or who the hell they are. Like I look at it as like everyone that we have in our database are past, uh, past sales, past rentals, friends, family, coworkers. Yeah. It's you know, real context, vetted title, people. Context, attorneys, lawyers. I mean, it's like everyone that we what know else do as you, a collective group. What else do you drip on them? So you're doing that quarterly drip. What else do you guys tend to drip on your 7,000? We do a monthly newsletter as well. Okay. The monthly nice. newsletter is again very it's it's pretty original. Like I see monthly newsletters, it's like, hey, you know, like here's like, you know, five ways to like, you know, winterize your home. Which again, not saying that's not good. Um, yeah, I was like, wait a second, he's talking about our stuff right now, Josh. Jeez, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm just you know, your stuff is fantastic. I've actually gotten the magazine. No, no, it's okay. Stuff. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah. it's always the issue with content is that you want to balance, curate it with original and yeah. that balance always comes into play. I think of people's time, right? Their bandwidth, right? So the less bandwidth you have, the more curated you go, the more bandwidth you can afford or the more focused time you can give to it, the less curated. The The beautiful thing is to do authentic content. If you could do hundred percent authentic, yeah. that's and better. It's just, yeah. it's just hard to do that, obviously bandwidth wise, but I totally get what you're saying. So you're doing a newsletter. Are you creating that yourself? Like yeah. um, we, writing we create it? it ourselves. I mean, we have our hands on it. Um, I do a lot of it. Uh, I used to outsource it and it got to a point where I feel like I'm like, I'm not really thrilled with this. It takes me an hour a month for our entire network mm. to make sure that's a solid drip campaign. And so we have, we usually do one of our blog posts. Okay. So if they're not looking at our website, we put in our original content. Then we do maybe three to four listings. This is what we're working on in different neighborhoods or in the suburbs. Love it. And then we do usually just like a lifestyle piece. It's like, you know, a new restaurant in the city. Here are the five best places to get breakfast at diners or like, you know, food events in the city. So that kind of plays into people who are more interested in like culture. And that's not our content. We're just sharing an article that we like. Love that. All right. So here's a question for you, kind of switching gears. I wanted to ask you is 
Why do a brokerage when you can join an EXP? Like we've had so many EXP top producers on, right? And they can't help themselves. One thing I do love about EXP is they do have a movement that has evangelized so many people that they can't help but evangelize others. But, you know, I'm brand agnostic. I have clients in literally pretty much every brokerage. Um, But um, why join or start your own brokerage instead of joining an EXP or a Keller Williams or a Remax? Like what's the argument there um, you think for people to think through? I think honestly, for me, I looked at it as like, I really want to be a true entrepreneur and a true business owner. Now, not to take anything away from teams, but the teams exist because of the brokerage, the brokerage's rules and the brokerage's training material and team growth material and marketing material and all that. So they want more of like a business in a box. It's kind of like, why do you open up, uh, you know, why do you open up a McDonald's when you can just start Tim's Burger Shop? Well, McDonald's, again, fantastic product. Everyone knows what you're getting there. It's always going to be consistent. But if you go to Tim's Burger Shop, maybe I get my beef locally and maybe I season it perfectly. And I use, you know, the right combination of of cheese and condiments and lettuce, tomato, onion that is nothing like McDonald's. So I think the way I looked at it initially is like, I really want to have a company where we have our own say on what that burger is like, how mm. how high quality it is. And everything we built our brokerage on is really on customer service. And again, not to take away from anyone, but one of the big problems I saw when I first got into real estate coming from corporate America was like unprofessionalism. It's like everyone's running in 50 different directions. Mm. No one has a boss because you're 1099. And whether you're on a team or not, you're only as good as your team leader. And if your team leader is selling and out there on the street all day, you're probably not getting a whole lot of guidance from him or her. Maybe you're getting fed and you're, you're writing business, but you don't know what you're doing, especially if you're new. When we, did, when we did our brokerage, the number one thing we said, we want to create streamlined approaches to be paperless, to use tech to our advantage, and make sure the customer service before and after the sale is flawless. And that's really what we wanted to build with our brand. And I feel like customer service in general has really only started becoming a big uh, topic in real estate in the last like half decade. Mm. Because before then, it's all sales. It's like sell, sell, sell. Who's number one? It's like, you know, you can be number one. And if all your clients hate you, what good is it? Because you're just chasing after the next cold deal, which it's a relationship business, in my opinion. And we wanted to, every relationship we had, we wanted to embrace and nurture along and say, look, whether this is your first time house, your move up house, your vacation home, or your investment property, like we want you to be a client for life at Copper Hill. And that was really what we strive to do with our own brokerage. I love that. Love the customer centric focus. I'm also very hungry now. I want yeah. one of those Tim's burgers. <laughs> I mean, I can crush the burger fantastic. too. So, you know, it's right around lunch time. Certain, Josh, you know, I want to flip one over to my side yeah. of the screen. A couple mindset questions for you, Tim. Obviously, as a business owner, you've had to deal with failure. You're probably having to coach your agents on how to deal with failure. Kind of, uh, how have you dealt with failure uh, in your past, whether that's in, in growing your business or in your real estate career? Yeah, for me, I personally look, you have to fail in order to succeed. That's just the bottom line. Everyone who feels like they can avoid failure in order to get ahead in business is not learning a thing because it's not really until you have a deal or a client or, you know, let's just say an opportunity to like develop because we do development and it slips through your fingers. Do you really say to yourself, why did that happen? Like, why did it slip through my fingers? Was it my fault? Was it someone else's fault? 
And in my opinion, it's always going to come back to you and how you started from the beginning. Maybe you forgot to ask the right questions or, or maybe you got too, too arrogant or, or maybe you just were too green in general. You didn't know what you were doing. No matter what it is, you're going to look back on that and say, excuse me, I'm not going to do that again because I don't want to have that feeling again. I don't want to, I don't want to have that opportunity or that client slip through my fingers again. And again, that's good because the next time you have that opportunity, your client is going to be happier. That opportunity is going to be that much greater. So try and look at it as like, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not failing, you're not, you're not growing, you're not learning, and therefore you probably won't succeed the way you truly want to in your mind. Whether you're in real estate or finance or insurance or anything else business related, you just you have to make mistakes and reflect in order to grow. That's mm-hmm. that's my my honest opinion. Now I love I love the self accountability there. Also asking yourself what went wrong and what you could have done better. Last question for you: Is there a principle or a mantra that you live uh, live by? There is actually Josh, and for me, um, you know, I, I grew up. I went to the I went to the Catholic school system, so I have that in my background. Um, I'd say nowadays I'm a little bit more more spiritual. You know, I meditate. Um, I, I just look at life as it's it's the golden rule: treat others as you would like to be treated. So if you get to a situation where someone, like let's say it's a client or another agent or it's like a development deal, and someone is just driving you up a wall. And you're like ready to flip out, which all of us do in our lives. We're ready to lose our cool. You just look at it as like, if I say that or do that, is that what I would want someone to do to me? Like if someone was about to blow their top, would I want them to do that to me? And that allows you to kind of think before you act, in my opinion. And, you know, when things go wrong, which they always do in real estate and in business, you got to look at that as like, it went wrong for a reason. Maybe it was partially my fault. Maybe it was all my fault. But at the end of the day, if you flip out on someone because you're emotionally upset about something not working out, I mean, they're not going to appreciate that. They're going to feel twice as bad. And it's almost like, you know, here's a great example in real estate. You know, we've been in a crazy market the last couple of years. You go look at a house, there's 20 offers on it, yep. you know, and you're with your clients. You've been with them for six months. They've lost five times. Mm-hmm. Very, very common. You get that, that call from that agent and they say, Hey, Tim. Yeah. Hey, it's Sue. Um, uh, here's the deal. Uh, they went with another offer. You know, I'm very sorry it didn't work out. And, and you know, my client went like 25% over asking. And you just want to like take your phone and be like... <laughs> and you can't do that because you got to look at it as like, this person dealing with a lot of stress on their end. As much as they're getting the sale done and I am not, they got to make 20 calls. And let 19 people down mm-hmm. and tell them why they didn't get it. There could be crying, there could be yelling, screaming. I'm not going to add to that. I look at that as like, I appreciate it. Congratulations on getting the offer that you did. And I'm moving on to the next one because the more positive we are moving forward, the better it's going to be for my client and myself. Yeah, well I've seen said. a yeah, very well said. I've seen a lot of screenshots shared on Instagram where people don't respond as well to those types of yeah, just, those you know, messages. So, like, that's not doing good. that. Like, the email, do I have to follow up again? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no you will set like yourself that. apart if you treat others like that. So thank you so much, Tim, for being here. Before we close out, uh, please let everyone know how they can connect with you. Absolutely. Uh, good ways to connect with me and Copper Hill Real Estate. CopperHillRE.com is in real estate. Uh, we're big on Instagram. I have a personal Instagram account. Copper Hill has their own handle. I'm sure you can find us. No problem. 
Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Check out our website, our blog, our neighborhood pages, anything we can do to help anyone in the Philadelphia area or across the country. Anyone want to pick my brain about brokerage or teams, happy to help anytime I can. Awesome, brother. Thank you again for being here. Thank you all for listening. We're going to include those links that Tim mentioned in the show notes over at staypaidpodcast.com. Also go over there for the video uh, so you can see Tim's background. We said before he jumped on the, the call today, like it's like the most perfectly, we thought it was a virtual background. Yeah, it is <laughs> insane. I think it's the best background that we've seen. My wife has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. That was smart. All right. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show your support, the first way we ask is head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review along with a comment. And the best way to show your support is to share this episode on your social media, share it with a friend. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remind media.com and of course you can find us on social media as well we are at stay paid podcast for this episode of stay paid i'm joshua Syke. guys i'm luke acre tim thank you so much great episode and love that you're local man so um excited to get yeah. to know you more i'm gonna go check out your neighborhood pages and what you're doing here's my action item for everybody which is right in that vein is are you putting out educational content so in real estate, you just got a perfect example of a drip piece that you can do, which is what zones are you focused in? What city, what town, what neighborhood? And are you putting out educational reports every quarter to your database to show them that you're the agent of trust, that you know the community, you know real estate, and you can be their agent of trust to help them buy or sell. But this applies to every industry, whether you're in insurance, finance, mortgage, like there is educational content out there that you can consistently put out of your understanding of your market that will elevate the credibility of you in the mind of the consumer. You need to be dripping on your clients that consistently so they see you as that agent of trust. Remember the difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single business is top producers take action. Take action on that today.